Well, you are truly the special people. I mean, not only are you here on spring break, you're here when we just had spring forward. So you guys not only set your clocks, when, even when the clock does say that it's 9 o'clock, your body is screaming it's 8. And you're here, you're the best of the best, you're the chosen, you're the MVPs, and we're all here and excited to worship God. You know, it's interesting that our society has changed over the last several years. And if there's one word that we would stamp on to the group of people living in America at this time, it might be fragile. I kind of think that's how we should describe our culture at this time. We have become a very sensitive lot for sure. A group of people who are easily upset. With just a few words, we can go from being annoyed to insulted to outraged. If, our li- if life doesn't go our way, if our lifestyle is not embraced, if our cause or our political stance or a celebrity that we love is not trumpeted, we are offended. I mean, that's really how you could describe us right now. We're always offended by something. As a country, we're upset about the pronoun that is used or whether or not our lifestyle is accepted. We're just bothered all the time. And the truth is, when you live in a country of, based on some estimates, as of today, 336 million 210,917 people, that's an awful lot, someone is bound to disagree with another. And that's just the fallen world that we live in. But thankfully, I'm speaking only of the people outside of these walls. Because no one in here would ever be offended or upset. No one ever disagrees with anyone. We're just all happy to be here. We're just so excited, right? Isn't that the case? You know, after 25 years of ministry, there's one thing that I would change about Matthew 18:20. Jesus is quoted as saying, for where two or more are gathered in my name, there am I also. And that's good and that's right. And I'm not taking away from Jesus said because that's, that's truth. But I would also suggest that this could be true. Where two or more are gathered in my name, there will be conflict. It just seems that when we get together, we think differently. The ways that we want to worship, the ways that we want to serve, the way that we want to live life just conflicts with the people around us. And it's really no surprise that we don't always agree because we're different. And God made us different, and that's a really beautiful thing. And it's okay that sometimes humans disagree with one another. But what happens? when God disagrees with us? What happens when the plans that we have aren't His plans? 
What happens when God doesn't lean our direction? When God is not fixing, guiding, preparing, healing the way that we think that He should? What happens when God doesn't take up our cause? What happens when God doesn't heal our wounds? What happens when God doesn't trample our enemy or save our marriage or break our addiction or remove the cancer? If God is not careful, He just might offend most folks living in this world and even a few followers. And so that's where I want to sit this morning as we look at Mark chapter 6. Excuse me, Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 24. What happens when Jesus offends? And as we look at this text, I think it's going to be hard to read that Jesus isn't even intentional about the fact that he is offending the individual he's talking to. So the question is, what happens if Jesus seemingly set out to offend you? And I would say, just ask a lowly woman with a demon-possessed daughter and an insane faith. This morning, I'm going to be reading from Mark chapter uh, uh, 27, verse 24. There's a parallel passage uh, that we found in Matthew, and so I'm going to be inserting that in occasionally, and I'll reference that. But let's pick up in verse 24 of Mark 7. It says, Jesus left that place, and he went to the vicinity of Tyre. So let's stop for just a second. Jesus has now left the place. He's been feeding people. He's been healing so much so that he is really, he and his disciples, they're exhausted. They can't even stop for a meal. We looked at a couple weeks ago. They sat down to eat and couldn't even do that. And so now he's going to go away and he's going to end up in a place called Tyre. What do we know about Tyre? Help me out here. Do we know anything about Tyre? It's it's where he's going to end up traveling to. Tyre, is it filled with Jews or Gentiles? Gentiles. The, the people of Tyre are, are not different, too different from the people of Samaria. They're absolutely hated for several different reasons. They're the enemies uh, of the Jews. Um, Jesus is actually going to say, you know, he's going to send out some woes and Tyre's going to be uh, included in that. Um, but, but here's the deal. This woman that we're going to meet in just a minute has so many strikes against her. And she's going to do some really incredible and crazy things. Listen up. Jesus entered a house and he did not want anyone to know it. Jesus is just trying to get away. He needs some rest. He needs some solitude. He needs some silence. He thinks he's found it. And yet he could not keep his presence a secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. So again, 
this is just a stark contrast with some of the different people that Jesus has been hanging out with. He's, he's been around these, these Jewish religious leaders. They have laws. They have rules. They follow them. They're prominent. They're wealthy. They're successful. They're Jews. And all of a sudden, enter in this woman. Now remember, all this first group of guys, they want to have nothing to do with Jesus other than get him to shut up. We've got to stop this guy, even to the point that they say, we got to kill this guy. Here we have this woman on the other end is, is just running to Jesus. She hears about his arrival and she comes right to him. The woman was a Greek born in uh, Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her. Now think about this. She has none of the religious credentials that she should have in order to find herself begging, asking, requesting a rabbi to help her. She is a Gentile. She is a Phoenician. She is a pagan. She is a woman, and she is living with a child who has an unclean spirit. Now remember back then, they associated illness with what? With sin. And so there is nothing going for this woman. Nothing going for this woman. Not her ethnicity, not her gender. Nothing is going for her. And yet here she is going to Jesus. Now I love what Matthew says, is that she cried out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and it's suffering terribly she enters into the house she has not been invited and she begins begging Jesus as she falls down at his feet and the verb here is in the present progressive tense all that means is she wouldn't stop she was incessant she is like the little kid next to mom 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 Mom, mom, mommy, 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 mom, mom, mom. And you're just like, just stop. And she wouldn't. And Jesus, because he's thoughtful and because he's kind and compassionate, he recognizes this, is, this woman and her plight and her pain and her sorrow. And he says, I want you to know something. I know your pain. I know your hurt. I'm here to heal you. Your wish has been granted. And that's the end. We're done. That's what should happen. That's what Jesus should have done. Right? And you know what he does? Listen to what he says to her. Get ready for this. Are you ready? Nothing. Matthew points out that Jesus did not answer a word. But that doesn't mean that there's silence. Because the woman is still begging. So his disciples came to him, this is from Matthew, and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out 
after us. And I love how now they are so offended by her that they're lumping themselves in. She has come to see Jesus. She won't stop. She keeps crying out. And they say, Jesus, will you make her leave? We're tired of her calling out to us. Get rid of her. Clearly, she's not someone who needs to be helped. Does this bother you? I want you to be bothered by this because I'm really bothered by the fact that this woman comes in. She has a legitimate need. It doesn't matter about the color of her skin or her ethnicity or her gender. She's got a problem. She's begging. She's pleading. And Jesus won't even acknowledge her. And I'm really bothered by this. It upsets me. Because this is not who I call Jesus. The Lord, the one who cares. He says nothing. And I'm really bothered by this. Because I know what Jesus should do and he's not doing it. And this offends me. And you may not want to yell that out loud in front of people on a Sunday morning. But have you ever been offended and upset and heartbroken and angry by the silence of God? You've been there, haven't you? You have woken up in the night and you have begged and pleaded. You have cried out to God. You have fasted and prayed and promised. You have believed with all the faith that you have. And the answer from God is nothing. You know, we want to be upset that Jesus would act in such a way and just as upset at Mark and Matthew for including it in their gospel. At least Luke, who's very thorough, and John, who's off the wall, at least they decided to leave this out. But why would you put this in? I think because for most of us, we know the sound of God's silence. And if you think ignoring her was enough, Jesus is going to even go further. And some scholars are going to argue otherwise, and they're all smarter than me. Some don't argue this way. But some say, ah, it's not really an insult. I'm going to let you call it what it is. But listen to this. They say, send her away for she keeps crying out. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Jesus basically says, is you're not the right type. I've only come to the people of Israel. I just... I have to remind myself, and, and for many people who are reading this right now, you just need to know something. Okay, 
in New Testament times, in the first century, I just want you to know this. You need to just know this, right? You are not this type. You're not a Jew. You're not the chosen people. Jesus says, I have come for the Jews, for the children of Israel, and you're not one of them. You're out. And so what do we do with it? And the woman got up and walked out. And she was offended. Okay, I actually, I may have misread that a little bit. The woman, according to Matthew's, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. I'm not your people, but you are my master. You are Lord. Picking up in Mark's account, verse 27, he says, First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Is there any confusion here? I mean, so many times I've read this and I thought, this does not belong in here. This isn't right. This should not be in here. Jesus is basically calling her a dog. Now, some scholars are going to go, well, you know, there's a couple, you, dogs were bad things, they weren't pets, you know, they were, they, they scavenged around, they were wild, you know, they were terrible, they were mangy and gross, but the word that Jesus used actually means puppy, and sometimes they let puppies come into the house, and they would eat food that fell from the table, and so he's not saying she's a dog, you know, people soft pedal it, she's just a puppy. Anybody feel good about that? Is anybody like, oh, how cute. I'm not a gross mangy dog yet. I'm still a little one. And then, but that's where I'm heading, and that's what Jesus has just called me. Is there anybody here who after begging and is ignored and pleading, and he says, you're not my type, and then still pleading, but you're Lord, and he says, nope. Not for you, it's for the kids, not the dogs. How many people are still there at the feet of Jesus? In a time and place where we're offended and upset and angry at everybody all the time, at whatever it is that we think how they've wronged us, Jesus comes out and ignores and says, you're not the right one and you're the dog. And we should say, yeah, I'm out. But there's a reason why this is in Matthew and Mark. And there's a reason why Jesus told this story. Jesus didn't ignore to be hurtful. He didn't call her a dog to be insulting. 
there's something else that's going on here. And if you blow up the larger context, especially of Mark uh, 6, 7, and 8, you're going to see there's this kind of sandwich that's going on. First off, we have the Gentiles. Uh, excuse me, we have the Jews. What's going on with them? And then we have the, the rules that they have to follow. And then there's this uncleanliness and cleanliness, like the washing of hands. And where does this all fit in? And then it's going to back up. And now we're going to talk about the Gentiles and their issues. And ultimately, we're going to get a bunch of them dealing with, with food and a feeding. Right? But Jesus is saying this. He's... He's, he's really mimicking, and, and not in a kind way, the Jews that are around. Because what have the Jews said? The Jews have said, we're the ones, and you're not. This is our God, who loves us, and we follow him. He doesn't love you, and you shouldn't follow him. And if you do, it's at a distance or behind several different walls. You're not allowed in this area. You're not allowed to do these things. You're the ones that are left out. Jesus right here, he is just trying to say, this is what you sound like. This is what you look like. How dare you treat the people of God like dogs? They cry out for help, and you ignore them, is what he's telling the religious people. They come and they say, we need help. We're, we're oppressed. And the people say, you're not Israelites. You're not God's chosen people. And they beg and plead. And the religious leaders say, you're just dogs to us. But I think that what Jesus is teaching is not just for the religious leaders of the time. I think it's also for this woman here. And I think it's for all of us. I think we need to come to grips and embrace a God who doesn't always give us what we want. And you may be uncomfortable with this, but I believe that I am called to worship a God who sometimes offends offends our desires and our wants. And you may sit here and say, no, God doesn't do that. That God doesn't upset. He doesn't hurt. He gives us what we want. And I just want to say to you, go to a cancer ward. Go to a children's hospital. Go to the, the women who wanted to be mothers but never were. Or the parents who had a child that lost one. If you live out in this world long enough, you're going to find people who have a legitimate complaint. Why is this happening? Where is God? And what is he doing? After all the ignoring, after all the you're, you're not the right one, even after the, well, 
you know, you're a dog and you don't deserve that. Listen to what she says. He says, first let the children eat what they want, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And this is what's so beautiful about the story. Because it's really not about her. And it's really not about us. God's love and His faithfulness is not dependent upon how good you are. Now, I just want you to say, Amen! Guys, that's really good news! Your salvation, the grace, the love, the sacrifice of Jesus is not because you're good enough. It's because you're not good enough. And because Jesus says, I will not make salvation based upon whether or not you're good enough or you're the right people or you're the right gender. It is about my love and my compassion and my generosity and my sacrifice and my humility. That's what it's about. Why do the dogs get food? Is it because they deserve it? It's because they've been there long enough whining? No! It's because God's grace still falls on the lowly and the hurting and the broken. And I think that woman needed to know that you have to struggle through brokenness and hurt and wrong. And some days, God is going to be silent. And some days, God is going to say no. And some days, God is going to say not yet. When the healing doesn't happen, when the marriage is not restored, when the little baby is not born, God is still loving and faithful. And as much as I want to tell you, be good and do right, and, and that's great and all, but, but what comes first is the love of God and the grace that He has for every one of you. And right now, some of you feel like the dog looking for crumbs under the table, and there is nothing but sadness and lostness and brokenness in your life. And I just want you to know, sometimes, sometimes that's how God works. But He is faithful to His people, even the ones who are called dogs by others. And so this week, as you are fighting through, as you're looking to another Monday, whether you're a teacher and you're excited about spring break, or you're a parent and you're freaking out that you're spring break and you're about to have kids back in the house, it's going to be like a mini quarantine all over again. Just be faithful to God and trust in His goodness and believe that He is a God who saves. This morning, I want to invite you into a relationship with a God who offers that love and faithfulness. And while we, we don't talk about this all the time, it's something that is so very important, is just, just giving in 
to God and believing. And the way that the New Testament and Jesus talks about that is through baptism. And we have back here a baptistry. If it doesn't have water in it right now, it will in 45 minutes. And we will have that thing filled up. And you can come in and say, I'm, I'm ready to get rid of this old life. And I'm going to be buried. I'm going under in the water. And I'm coming up. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit and the promise of God that will always follow you as you trust Him. Even on days when you're offended. I want to encourage you to join me this morning as we stand and sing this song. Tim.